my name is Dave, and uh, we are glad that you're with us. We don't believe you're here by accident. Uh, Operation Christmas Child is something that uh, our family loves to be a part of. Uh, each year we put together a box for each member of our family. We uh, typically go to Target or Walmart or something like that, kind of go shopping together, and then um, hopefully all four of us go, not just a couple of us, but um, go, to, uh, go shopping together, pack together, and then uh, be able to track nowadays about where they go and what country they impact, what child they impact. So I would encourage you to um, jump in with us and uh, let's, let's impact this world with God's love in a global way, in a very practical way, and see how many shoeboxes uh, we can send out from this, uh, from this body uh, this season. November 11th is Collection Day, and there's more details in your program and at the table back by the front door. Our vision talks about being devoted to Jesus. If those getting baptized, if you want to come on up now, that'd be great. Uh, baptism is a significant step in the life of a believer. Uh, baptism itself is an outward sign of an inward commitment. We often talk about how baptism is going public with your faith. Uh, bapt- baptism illustrates our new life as a Christian. Romans 6, 4 says this, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Baptism illustrates the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that we are uh, the, the old creation is gone, that the new has come. Uh, baptism doesn't make you a believer, though. It demonstrates that you already believe. We are saved only by our faith in Jesus. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 speaks of this. For it is by grace you have been, been saved through faith. This not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. This is not about you and I. It's about Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior of our lives. And we have a couple people getting baptized. Uh, Joey, you want to come on? Oh, you're right there. Here we go. Um, and... Uh, I just want you to be encouraged by the testimonies that take place here and be encouraged by what God is doing and celebrate that together as a church family here in the living room. Go ahead, Joey. Uh, This is my little brother, Joey, and uh, I don't know how many of you guys know him, but I would encourage you to come up and talk to him after the service. I... I'm amazed with the way that God has worked between us over the last year and just the relationship that he's given us. He wanted to say something about that and about um, just where he could be today versus where he is just shortly. He just wanted to say something so you guys could know what it means to him to be here. Um, Here you go, Joe. Okay, before I say that, I want to say something really quickly about how if somebody said that my life would be like this a year ago, I would have laughed in their face and... Considering how I would have been, I would have probably, I don't know, uh, many bad things. I'm not sure. Uh, rather not talk about that. But t- there was, in football, I'm so glad because today there was this trip to Indy, meaning that if you gave it up, you could, if it was just a regular game, it would be a lot different because it would be going on right now. But so I decided to give that a trip to Indy in order to get baptized because to show my faith publicly. I'm, I'm a terrible public speaker. I'm sorry. Just hold it, yeah. Just hold okay. It well, let's uh, get this underway. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Dan and John, I don't know if you know these guys or not, but if you've been here this summer, um, you, you know these guys. They get the privilege of baptizing Joey today, and I love this. So, come on.
Come on, step in. Let's get this underway. I'll just hold it for you. Joey, do you love Jesus with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Now and forevermore. Awesome. We now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. big brother can do. It's like, you're going down. All set. Rob, I won't baptize you that way, unless you want me to. Uh, this is Rob Tufel. You want to come on out, Rob, and uh, share a little bit of your story before Christ, how you met Jesus, and then afterwards. And... Morning, Crosspoint family. It's going to be hard not to cry. It's already started. Um, before Christ, anybody seen fireproof? That's the way it was to my wife. Porn addiction, alcohol addiction, in it for myself. I wasn't a good father. Sorry. Thanks, John. Um, pretty much I just, I was all about myself. I wasn't about my family. Um. That was pretty much before Christ. I, I stole money from my parents. Um, I'd have to say the day that I turned to Christ was the day that Nate was here. Um, he asked everybody to bow their heads, and he talked and asked for those who would like to bring Jesus into their hearts to raise their hands, and something just led me to raise my hand that day. Um, ever since then, I can thank my sister and her husband, Scott, and the kids. Um, if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be here right now. It was my sister that led me to watch Fireproof. I watched the movie. It didn't really sink in, so I, uh, I was sitting down in my bedroom and I went to the special features. Watched every special feature there was, and it made me realize how I was to my wife, well, my ex-wife. Um, I have recently asked her for forgiveness, and she has granted me forgiveness. <laughs> and I'd say the best part about finding Jesus, I hardly ever drink anymore. Porn addiction's gone. And I see the way that my sister and her husband are with their kids. And I, I believe in my heart I've become a better father. My little daughter's here with us today. She's in the back. Uh, 
And pretty much I just I look at baptism as um, just furthering my relationship with God as another step to becoming fully saved. Rob and I met, uh, we met several times, but we met this last week, and uh, what, what I see in Rob's life is what you see in Scripture, and that uh, the Bible calls it repentance, is that there is a, I was walking this way, and now I'm walking this way. And while I was walking toward myself and toward what I wanted and what was in it for me, and now I'm walking toward Jesus. I'm walking, uh, I was walking in disobedience, now I'm walking in obedience. I was walking in unfaithfulness, now I'm walking in faithfulness. And this is that this is what you see in Scripture, and this is what I see in Rob's life, and that's that, that's that salvation that happens when we turn our lives to Christ is that we stop walking that way, and we believe by faith in what Jesus has done on the cross, and then we walk in obedience to that. And this is what I see in Rob's life, and um, I'm excited for you to go public with your faith. So let's jump on in. Billy, you weren't kidding. It is warm. <laughs> We're learning. It's our third baptism, and we finally got it right. Um, Rob, is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Yes, he is. I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's been a full morning already, hasn't it? Um, let's just alter call and be done. Um, but uh, all right, uh, all right. Uh, today we kick off a, a six-week series on marriage. Um, we're calling it "I Want a Better Marriage." It's been uh, three years since we've done a teaching series on marriage, uh, and uh, frankly, it's been way, way too long. Um, and I can pretty much guarantee that that span of time will not happen again. All right, that uh, that three three-year span won't happen again because in reality marriage is, is this massive relationship that uh, impacts many of our lives and uh, or will impact or has impacted us. And if you've got a Bible, go to Ezekiel 36, probably the last book that you would expect uh, for us to go to on the first day of a marriage series. If you don't own a Bible, uh, we'd encourage you to get one at Guest Connections before you leave. There's a there's some nice ones there. They're not just meant there to, uh, sitting there meant to look pretty. All right, they're meant to be given away. So if you don't own a good Bible, please take one with you today. I want a better marriage. If I were to um, kind of give us a phrase that would be our rallying cry over the next six weeks, I think that about sums it up. It's a phrase that um, in some form or fashion catches uh, most of us in this room, whether we're, uh, or even those on the podcast, single or married, it catches all of us. Some of you here are singles. You could be a middle school or high school student, or maybe you're in college, or maybe you're way past all that, and you're in the workforce, and, and you have yet to be married. Uh, you could be in a relationship with someone, or maybe not. You could be perfectly content with your singleness, or maybe you have dreams of being married someday, meeting a godly man who will love you and be your best friend, or a godly wife who will, uh, that you love to be around and want to spend the rest of your life with. You may look at your parents' marriage and say, I want a better marriage. Uh, for example, before you, uh, uh, the example before you, 
may be uh, not a great one. It may be broken. It may be dysfunctional. Or maybe it's solid and it's Christ-centered, but you still say, I want a better marriage. Or maybe you're older and you've got friends who are getting uh, married or maybe they're already getting divorced already and, and you're thinking, ah, I want a better marriage. If I get married, I want a better marriage. And you don't want to settle for average. And I pray that uh, you walk into a series on marriage and go, okay, Lord, how can I take what I'm learning and apply it to my existing and my future relationships? And you have this unique opportunity that others do not. You have this unique opportunity to get it right from the very start and in turn lead to a marriage that is joy-filled and built on Christ. The choices that you make today ultimately really do impact the rest of your life. And, and adults could speak to that in this room. I remember Heather and I took a couple uh, classes on parenting long before we were even parents. Uh, it helped us prepare. We still mess up all the time. Uh, but, uh, and Maddie and Eli could attest to that. But it helped us prepare, and there's something, um, there's something wise about preparing for the next step long before it even happens. And so we have an opportunity to prepare during this series. Others of you, others of you are recently divorced, or maybe you've, you've been divorced for a while. There could still be pain and hurt uh, that you're walking through as a result of that broken relationship, whether it was recent or from years ago. On your tough days, you would say that a marriage series is more likely entitled uh, Empty Promises rather than I Want a Better Marriage. And so you hear we're talking marriage for six weeks, and you're like, ah, I'd rather have a root canal for six weeks in a row than sit here. All right? And if that's you, I get that. I get that. All right? But my challenge to you is to not walk into a marriage series and go, well, this doesn't apply to me. I'll come back in December. But instead, be open to the Spirit's work in your life. Believe that the Holy Spirit is bigger than simply a series title or its content. We're going to be talking about so many biblical principles that not only apply to marriage but to any relationship. And I believe that if you're open to it, that God is able to bring about healing and restoration in your heart from the leftover hurt that might be there as a result of the divorce. The, the beauty can come from ashes, as Isaiah speaks of. And so I want a better marriage would be a phrase that you would say. Whether you get remarried to the person you were married to before or someone else down the road, you would say that out of often very difficult circumstances, hard lessons that you've learned, that you, you would say, uh, I want a better marriage. If this happens again, I want a better marriage marriage. The general stats out there show that the likelihood of you, you being married again is there. Uh, the, the, the vast majority of divorced people end up getting remarried. So I pray that this series prepares you for that, whether you get married or not, whatever God has for your future. Some of you are engaged. In fact, we have three couples right now uh, who are recently engaged that I know of. Congratulations to you all. You all. We have uh, Brad and Caitlin uh, uh, Andrew and Courtney and Tim and Morgan. Uh, Brad and Caitlin, I saw. You guys want to wave over there? Tim and Morgan, are you in, in Oh, there's like, oh, just Tim. All right. All the engaged people sit on that side. Um, so, uh, but I pray that a series like this uh, really prepares you for uh, the journey that is marriage and, uh, and that God uses it to prepare you for that and, and that you walk into marriage going, Lord, we want a better marriage. We're going to work at this. This is not, we're not going to go about this faint of heart. We're going to get after this. And some of you are remarried. And so my intent with a series like this is it reminds you of what God's Word says about marriage and relationships. It helps remind you to not fall into old patterns that, that might have led to a broken relationship before, but saying we want a better marriage. We want to learn from those mistakes. And then we want a marriage that is Christ-centered and God-glorifying in everything. Others of you are widows or widowers and, 
and you're walking out this new world, and even in the midst of a marriage series, I pray that the Holy Spirit is, uh, counsels and encourages and ministers to your heart. Uh, some of you are in a marital crisis right now. Your marriage is backed into the corner, against the ropes. And I pray that God would do a miracle in your relationship in this series, not because of the content of the messages, but because of the power of God, and that you'd be wide open to His work, and that you'd reach out for help and not try to fix this crisis on your own. Uh, there are leaders here who love you, and, and so be honest in your community group, or if that's just like, oh, I don't know if I'm really ready to go there yet with my community group, then reach out to Eric or myself or one of the elders, and it would be our joy. Listen to me. It would be our joy to come alongside you and help you and walk with you. You're not in this alone. Uh, The devil would love to tell you that you are. That, wow, you know what? That's just too ugly. So you better go fix that, and then you can come back when you're clean. And I would tell you that your ugly is not isolated. Everybody's got ugly, and that's the point of Christ. That's the point of the gospel. And so do not try to fix this on your own. Reach out for help. There are people here ready to walk with you as you pray, Lord, we want a better marriage. Some of you are married, but if you're honest, there isn't much joy happening. You'd probably say you're more like roomies than lovers, all right? More like business partners than best friends. Uh, Maybe you're an empty nester and the kids are gone and now you're looking at each other going, huh, now what? Now what do we do? Um, Or maybe you're married with children and the most romantic time you have is is in the minivan together when you happen to actually be together. And no, it's not that kind of van. It's like you're just in the minivan driving your child to yet another event, all right? And you're, you're holding hands like, hurry up and eat, we gotta go. And like, oh, this is so romantic. And, or maybe you have toddlers and babies and the most romantic time you have is around the high chair. And you're like, oh, this is just an intimate meal over Cheerios and goldfish and this is, I love this. Um, but I pray a series like this reminds you that your marriage comes first that your life is not centered on children. It should not be centered on your children. It should be centered on Christ. Your marriage has to take priority. Your marriage is more than simply parents together, but it's a husband, a wife, one flesh in God's sight. Some of you have been married for uh, uh, 10, 15, 20, 25 plus years, and, and you've got a strong relationship, and you're both believers, and Christ is the center, and you're finding uh, joy in your marriage. But but can I challenge you in this way? Don't settle. Don't hit cruise control. Don't just assume that, well, you know, we've been through some bumps and now we're good to go. A marriage series, man, we got this down. What's coming up next? I challenge you. That Could this be your prayer as well? Lord, we want a better marriage. We want a better marriage. This is where Heather and I are at. Heather and I celebrated 16 years of marriage this past June. Um, I am absolutely wholeheartedly in love with her. Uh, Our marriage is stronger than it was ever before. Our picture up there would make it look like we are 13 and 14 when we got married, as well as others of you, so don't laugh, all right? I'm just saying, like, we got some sort of Kentucky child bride thing going on. I don't know. But if you're you're from Kentucky, welcome. Thank you. Um, I have no idea where I am. Um... Oh, yeah, I'm, t- I'm talking about my wife. That's right. Um, I- I'm continually reminded that my wife is my, my best friend. I'm absolutely in love with her. All right, but I, I got to tell you, I don't want to rest. I don't want to allow apathy to kind of creep into our relationship because that's easy, isn't it? It's easy to take our eyes off the road and go, well, you know, we've dr- driven down this road like a thousand times and 
we know marriage like the back of our hand and then boom, something comes up and it causes us just kind of an unsettled spirit about our marriage. Because, you know, the statistics with car accidents, you get into accidents within two miles of your home. Because you know, I've driven this road a thousand times. But the same way in a relationship. Like, oh, what's the big deal? We don't have to work at this. We've got to work on that. But we don't have to work at this. But then suddenly, boom, accident happens and you're not sure where uh, it came from. A successful marriage is more than just avoiding divorce. It's more than just avoiding divorce. In sports, the goal is to win, right? The cliche in sports is that you play to win, not play to simply avoid losing. So winning in marriage is more than not becoming a statistic or getting by or enduring one another. Or, well, we didn't get divorced like our friends or our parents, but rather a biblical marriage can be joy-filled. God can step in and do amazing things if you allow Him to. And I pray that the Spirit will remind you of, this, of that in this series. So, I want a better marriage. We want a better marriage. And I pray that that's kind of our rally cry over the next uh, six weeks. With all of that, let's go Ezekiel 36, if you've got a Bible. I, be- I believe there's a verse of truth here that we need to wrestle down and apply, especially on this uh, first week. Ezekiel was a prophet in the Old Testament. The prophet's job was not an easy one. Uh, they were used by God to bring a message of repentance and truth to the Israelite nation. Uh, as a result, prophets were not warmly welcomed and loved by the people. Instead, they were met with rejection and persecution and, uh, because the prophet was calling people to repent of sin, turn their li- to turn from their life of sin, to stop walking that way or believing that way, but turn toward God and walk in His ways. That kind of message then and now is not a popular one. And as this book opens up, we see that Israel has been unfaithful to God. They've once again walked away from God and His ways and chosen to worship other idols. And as a result, God brings judgment on this nation, and He does that by allowing neighboring countries to kind of come in and destroy the people and uh, ransack the land. And so the Israelites are scattered among the region. But thankfully, the story doesn't end there. By the end, hope is where the story ends. Just like in the book, at the end of the story, hope is, is there for the believer in Christ. It may all look bad. Revelation, if you read Revelation, why just everything is going bad and judgment's happening. But in the end, for those who believe in Christ and walk in obedience, there's hope. There's hope. And as this, um, so in chapter 36, uh, we're in the part of Ezekiel that's focused on the hope and the restoration of God's name and God's people. And we'll start in verse 22 of chapter 36. And I want you to simply uh, hear the heart of God in these verses and uh, be reminded of God's power in that, yes, he is, he is just, He deals with sin. And that's what the early part of Ezekiel is all about. And yet He is also unconditional in His love and His hope for His people uh, is that we would turn back to Him and trust in Him fully. Ezekiel 36, starting in verse uh, 22. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, Israel, that I'm going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you have gone, I will show the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the sovereign Lord, when I show myself holy through you before your eyes. Verse 24, for I will take you out of the nations, I will gather you from all your countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities, from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone 
and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. You will live in the land I gave you for, gave your forefathers. You will be my people and I will be your God. I will save you from all your uncleanliness. I will call for you the grain and make it plentiful and I will, bring, and I will not bring famine upon you. I will increase the fruit of the trees and the crops of the fields so that you will no longer suffer disgrace among the nations because of famine. Then you will remember your evil ways and wicked deeds and you will loathe yourselves for your sins and detestable practices. I want you to know that I am not doing this for your sake, declares the Sovereign Lord. Be ashamed and disgraced for your conduct, O house of Israel. Verse 33, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. On the day I cleanse you from all your sins, I will resettle your towns and your ruins will be rebuilt. The desolate, desolate land will be cultivated instead of lying desolate in the sight of all who pass through it. They will say, this land that was laid waste has become like the Garden of Eden. The cities that were lying in ruins, desolate and destroyed, are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations around you that, will, uh, that remain will know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt what was destroyed and have replanted what was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken and I will do it. There's much to talk about in these verses and, and we can't cover it all. Uh, but I encourage, encourage you to study it on your own this week. One thing we, we learn in these verses in Ezekiel is that God was going to restore Israel uh, for his namesake, for his glory, not for Israel's. Israel had profaned the name of the God uh, that they supposedly worshipped. They'd, they'd given this God, their God, this black eye by how they lived uh, in this kind of hypocritical, two-faced world. And so God was going to restore this nation for his glory and for his fame. He was going to give the people a new heart and, a new, and put a new spirit in them, removing their heart of stone. He was going to restore the land and where there was desolation, there, was, there would be life again and the walls around the cities would be fortified again and the nation would be rebuilt physically and the people would be rebuilt spiritually. This, along with chapter 37, is a picture of what Christ does in salvation. It's a, it's a promise of the new covenant that will be coming in Christ where we are completely dead without Jesus, that our hearts are stone-cold dead without Christ. But then when we believe by faith in what Jesus did and repent of our sin and confess that He is Lord and Savior over our lives, when we do that, a new life, a new heart, the Holy Spirit is given to us, a new spirit is put within us, and we are made alive in Christ. Ephesians 2 this week, if you want to tackle a chapter talking about being made alive in Christ, Ephesians 2. Maybe your marriage seems a bit like the story in Ezekiel. It all seems bad. Uh, that the walls are torn down, that the land is barren, that there is nothing but dryness and famine. In marital terms, that there is no joy or a lack of love or simply uh, just kind of a spirit of complacency or apathy in your marriage. Or maybe that you know that if something doesn't change, that's the path that you're on. That's the direction you're headed. It may feel like it's way, way down there, but that's the direction that you're headed if something doesn't change. But listen to me, God is in the business of bringing new life out of death. Baptism is a picture of that. Buried, raised to walk in obedience. The testimonies spoke of that this morning. Easter is this massive reminder that the grave could not hold our Savior down. He promised that there would be trouble in this world, but to take heart because Jesus has overcome this world, that in Christ we have 
the victory. And maybe your marriage or your relationship status seems like it's all but lost and that there are only ashes left. But I'm here to, here to remind you that our God is bigger. Our God is the God of hope. He is a God who overcomes and heals and restores and reconciles. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. This is kind of the key verse I want us to drive a stake into this morning. Because even though we might intellectually believe or know that our God is massive and incomparable and all-powerful creator, we are born with hearts of stone uh, that are bent towards hearts that are uh, sinful and in opposition to our God. So when I say all these things about how great our God is or how he can overcome and heal, there's something in us that still says, I want to do it my way. I want what's in it for me. I want someone to serve me. I want them to have to change, not me. I want to do all that. I want them to surrender, surrender to the Lord, but, but not me. I think if we get honest before God and say, I mean, this, this is what I pray we would do is say, God, do I have a heart of stone? If you're divorced, has your, has your heart become like stone? Not, not just toward your ex, but toward your creator. Has God's loving hand been at work in your life and you just kind of resisted and pushed against that? Or maybe you're single and that's led you to having a heart of stone. You thought that this God has just kind of given up on you and no longer has your best interests in mind, that he must have forsaken you. And so your heart's grown cold and rebellious to the truth of God's word, uh, that, that no, you no longer walk in surrender, but you say, God, you must not care for me, so I'm going tr- to fix this relationship issue. And then that's led to all these kind of complications because you're walking out from underneath the authority of Christ in your life. Or maybe you're married, and if you were honest, your heart is turning to stone uh, toward your spouse. It might be because of past hurt or a uh, past relationship or you've allowed this kind of bitter root to grow up in your heart. Or maybe you're about ready to throw in the towel. Or on the flip side, you, you're not going to get a divorce, but you've just kind of given up trying to make your marriage better. You're thinking, well, this must be the way it is. I mean, average, I guess, is mediocre. I guess that's it. Maybe the Spirit of God's been prompting your heart to turn from this, surrender that, but your heart has grown cold and hard. You might even think, well, we have a good marriage. Well, the saying goes, good is the enemy of great. Apathy can creep its way into our marriages, slowly turning our hearts to stone. A godly, joy-filled marriage takes a fierce commitment to one another. It takes work. It's not for the faint of heart. If we're not working at it with all our heart, then our heart begins to atrophy. It begins to get weak, right? This is what happens physically when we don't exercise or we just kind of live a sedentary life. And so is that happening, happening spiritually in you where your heart toward the Lord or toward your spouse has just kind of grown weak and as a result, a result grown cold and stone-like? So search your heart. Is there a spirit of apathy you have toward your marriage right now? Kind of a just-get-by mentality, like bare minimum effort I'm talking about. Like kind of autopilot. You put 
hours. You put so much focus on this area, whatever this area is. But your marriage, you're just assuming that it'll be fine. Heather and I have had those seasons where the marriage has taken a back seat and somehow God shakes that up and calls us to repent of that uh, apathetic spirit. We've had our fair share of valleys and challenges and obstacles and hurt and sin. And, and we would both tell you, though, if submitted to Christ in those seasons, that God can make you stronger and God can use it for His good. And James 1, the truth of James 1 is true. And I'm not sure where you're at, but I believe we are being called to to turn from the pride, the selfishness, the heart of stone, and allow God into our lives and say, God, give me a new heart. Give me a new spirit. Lord, give me a heart of flesh. That there is freedom in Christ when we allow Him to, to do heart surgery on us, where He chips away at that heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh, when He takes away our uh, old self and gives us the Holy Spirit when we give our lives to Christ and some of you here today are not followers of Jesus yet. Your heart is, is not simply hard toward your, your spouse, your circumstances, but it's hard toward Christ. And yet God has a work in your life even this morning. He's drawing you to himself. And he's saying, turn from that path, follow me. Stop trusting in yourself, trust in me. This is the most important decision you make in this life and it impacts your eternity. So if, you, if you're here and and you know God is calling you out this morning to give your life to Him, to receive His forgiveness, to, to confess that He is your Lord and Savior, and, and no longer walk toward yourself and what's in it for you, but walk toward Christ and the truth of God's Word, then I encourage you to come up to the front and talk to a volunteer after the service. Give your life to Jesus. There's people here available to help you and walk with you through that. I believe that God is at work in our midst, not just this morning, but in your homes, in, in relationships. And I believe that He is and will be tearing down walls of sin and pride and, and selfishness in this series. I don't believe this is going to be a simply a self-help to make your marriage just slightly better. There's a bazillion books, books out there on that. All right? I'm not going to do that. I believe we need to get before the Lord and, and, and pray for just some radical God-sized transformations to happen, happen in relationships. And I would encourage you to join with me and pray for that to happen. And listen, and not just pray for, oh yeah, so-and-so, boy, they really need this. No, you need this. You need this. It's so easy to be like, yeah, they, they need that down there. Wait, wait, wait. You need it. You need it. And I need it. We need to get our hearts before the Lord and allow Him to, to just, Lord, give us a heart of flesh. In Ezekiel, God is painting this picture to the people. I will do great things. I will restore and build and strengthen. And I will do it for my glory, God says. And so on this first week, I want to paint a picture, a vision of what your marriage could look like if both of you are submitted to the Lord. I want a better marriage where spouses consider one another's needs greater than their own. Where they take on the attitude of Christ and bend a knee to wash the feet of one another, even when the feet are nasty and smelly, and we serve one another sacrificially. I want a better marriage that, that seeks the Lord together in prayer, not only grows closer to one another, but closer to Christ at the same time. I want a better marriage that is quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to anger, where we are less focused on getting our point across and more focused on understanding our spouse and how God has made them. 
I want a better marriage where husbands love their wives sacrificially, faithfully, and humbly uh, lead, lead their families while being submitted to Jesus Christ in their life. And where wives joyfully follow that leadership and they pray for their husbands and they respect their husbands as Ephesians 5 says. I want a better marriage where husband and wife honor one another and how they speak when they're not together. And how I speak, to, speak of my wife when she's not with me. I want a better marriage that when faced with conflict, they don't run from it or ignore it and hope it just kind of goes away. But we deal with it with grace and forgiveness and humility where bitter roots don't grow up, where those things are taken care of daily, weekly. I want a better marriage where anything and everything can be talked about, from the hurt to the mundane to the past to uh, the future and dreaming about the future from the personal issues that nobody wants to talk about sometimes, money and sex. I want a better marriage that leaves a legacy of Jesus Christ and changes family trees forever. I want a better marriage that serves as a testimony to the watching world and brings God so much glory. Where God's name is the one lifted up and as, and because of all that He has done. Where we are less concerned about our marriage making us happy and we are more concerned about our marriage making us holy making us more like Jesus. In your programs, there's an insert and uh, with three prayers on them. You want to get those out? Uh, on there, you've got a, a morning prayer uh, for each spouse, an evening prayer uh, to pray together, and a, a prayer for singles to pray daily as well. And there are extra copies at the Guest Connection Center. We'll throw them online this week. Uh, so that uh, if you need multiple copies, one for each of you, uh, then we will do that and pick that up before you leave. Here's my challenge to each of us. From here until November 25th, uh, pray daily. If you're married, uh, in the morning, pray individually. Uh, and then at night, come together. And don't pray individually, but pray together. And I realize this may be brand new for some of you to pray together. Well, consider this an entry point. Uh, the words... Uh, already there so you don't have to feel weird or like what do i say and all right i realize this is brand new but consider this t-ball all right this is t-ball the the ball has been set on the t now it's time to put the bat on the ball all right if you can get naked with one another you can pray together just saying <laughs> all right the words are based on scripture okay i'm just saying all right i pray you remember god's word not that but whatever um but I believe God will, will work if, if, if we go about this with a heart of flesh. That this could be this great season of spiritual growth in your lives. It, it, just to see God at work in your marriage and to be open to the Holy Spirit's work in your life. So I just encourage it. This is a very practical, easy step. Uh, the words are based on Scripture. Feel free, if the Spirit prompts you with other words, please say them. All right? Pray together. Pray individually. Pray for your spouse. If you're single, pray to the God who loves you, who sent Jesus to die for you and loves you with an unconditional love and has your best interests in mind. 
He does have a plan and purpose and a hope and a future as you seek Him, as you follow Him. He does. But it's all about Him being Lord. It's all about Him being Savior. It's all about Him being the King of your life. So to finish up, here's what I want to do. I want to pray. Uh, I want you to pray quietly at your seat, and then I'll close in prayer. Uh, if you're married and your spouse is next to you, then I want you to hold one another's hands. You may not even like each other right now. All right, I want you to hold one another's hands, and if if you got a like a child between you, kick that child out of there. Hey, we're not bookends. Get out of here. Get sit on sit over here. All right, and um, and, uh, uh, and and pray together. Pray the individual morning prayer together, and then tonight, shut off the TV. Do whatever you need to do. Take time and pray together. Pray the evening prayer together. And if you're single here, then pray the singles version uh, right now. So, honey, you want to come on up? pray uh just let's get let's seek the lord together and uh let's pray individually and then i'll close here in a minute Lord, we know that uh, in this season that we are approaching, we know that spiritual uh, attack is going to happen, uh, that the enemy would, would want nothing else but for relationships to be broken and, and for us to miss the, um, the magnitude of you and your power. And I pray that, uh, that your Holy Spirit would, would just stand in the gap of that that you would guard our lives from temptation, that you would, uh, that this season that we are going into, that it wouldn't simply be a teaching series or a message series, uh, but it would be uh, a season where you get so much glory because you're doing what only you can do. I pray that you would uh, restore and I pray that you would strengthen. I pray that you would heal. And I pray where there's dryness or famine, I pray that uh, just the, the, the rain would fall fresh on those hearts and on, on, on that land. God, I, pr- I pray that no matter what our marital status is in here, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us and minister to us. I believe you are bigger than any box that we might put you in. I believe your word is true. I pray that the truth of your word would be so evident, so clear to us in this season. I pray that as we seek you in prayer, I pray that this would just be a significant time in our lives. That we wouldn't go about this with a heart of stone, but a heart of flesh, and we would 
work at it with all our heart for your glory and for your name. I pray, God, for you to do more than we could ever ask or imagine. I pray that nothing would, uh, would contain you, but your Holy Spirit would, would work freely, not just on a Sunday morning, but day in and day out, when we are alone, when we are together. We love you, Jesus. We love you. We declare that you are King of kings and Lord of lords. Work in our relationships for your glory, not for ours, for yours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, on November 25th, the last Sunday of the series, uh, because I don't want to prepare a message, uh, we're going to do a quick Q&A. No, I, not just because I don't want to prepare. Um, but, uh, and so we would love to, to have your questions. And I say me, we, because Heather and I will be up here answering them. Uh, if we feel like it's something that better addressed individually, we will do that. If, um, there, there, so there's a couple opportunities. You can always email us thus far. Uh, any question I've got has been from a woman. Now, I love those questions, but men, stop being stinking apathetic, <laughs> all right? And if there's something in your relationship that you want to talk about, then, then bring that up too, all right? We'll answer any question for His glory and, and according to His Word. Uh, if, if you want to turn in something that uh, is anonymous, you don't want to put your name on it, that's, we, we totally get that. There are uh, little cards and a silver box back there, at that table with a lamp on it. You can do that after the service. Things are kept confidential. Uh, we're not going to share these things, but, but we pray that it might, uh, we might be able to speak to some things that uh, are, are directly applicable to your lives and to our lives. All right? Um, so let's walk out this week with a heart of flesh uh, for His glory and for His name and uh, that, that we'd be open to His Spirit's work. Have a good week. We'll see you back next week. God bless.